And I'm Christina. This is Legion of Dogs. Your free resource for multi-dog living. Um, did you hear Enzo fart? No. Okay, good. It was really loud. <laughs> your dogs have audible farts. Not normally, but uh, <laughs> I don't know what's up with him. <laughs> you could leave that in. That'd be funny. <laughs> so let's talk about your story. What happened with you last week? <laughs> so i think it was wednesday wasn't it last week i think so yeah so wednesday last week i'm on a phone call and um i hear my front door open which happens a lot um my husband and my father they both live with me um go in and out the front door all the time so my dogs aren't actually sensitized to the front door sound happening at all they don't react to it um, so we didn't think anything of it. And I, then I heard this weird noise and it was, <laughs> it sounded like a wounded animal. Um, but it was not, it was a man that I did not know trying to say hello. <laughs> um, but he wasn't really able to, and I'm sitting there in my pajamas and my main guard dog is in my yard and unaware that there is a human in our house that shouldn't be there. And I'm on the couch with Frankie Pickles. And Remo and Fable. <laughs> <laughs> now, Fable will react to people coming in the house, but she's not usually the one that starts it. So I get up um, to tell this person to leave, and she comes with me. <laughs> <laughs> and she charges him um, kind of like she would anyone just coming into our house to investigate. And then Navy from the yard hears me yelling at someone and comes flying in the house. Good girl. So now the dogs are together and they usher this person right out the door without biting him, which I was proud of them for. Because with how scared I was, I'm pretty sure they knew it. Um, I wouldn't have been super surprised if they had chosen to nip at nope. someone. I wouldn't have blamed them one bit if they did. Yeah, but they didn't, which I'm I'm good with. Like they shouldn't have to because the person was backwards moving the whole time. Because when you have two Australian shepherds <laughs> and a crazy lady in her pajamas yelling at you, um, you do retreat even if you're very very high, which he was. Um, so it answered a question for, for me: was whether my dogs would react if someone invaded my home, and how and why that would look like. Because there's lots of studies done where actually dogs run away or dogs don't intervene um, yeah. when someone's home is invaded. And I feel like it was really reassuring to find out they would. <laughs> yeah, I always wonder when I had my Mastiff, I didn't wonder. I knew he would mm -hmm. protect me, hands down. When I had my big 55-pound um, Eskimo mix, I knew. I mean, he he bit people even when they weren't invading. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I knew, but my current dogs, like, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's this great, like, I've seen glimpses of it in my Aussies before. If it's, like, dark at night or something's unexpected or we're hiking alone somewhere, like, I see protective behavior, which is usually the barking and sometimes charging mm -hmm. um, at things. I've seen it when I was um, attacked by an elk. They took yeah. the elk on, which is, to me, more instinctive than a human especially because I really desensitize my dogs to humans we have people that come in the house all the time uh we have men that come in my house all the time so I really wasn't sure but um 
they definitely did not approve of that person coming in. <laughs> Good. And I don't I don't think he would have left without them. I am going to say that. Yeah. Because my father, um, after all this happened, went running outside and he got an argument with him and he did not leave our yard um, with my father after him. So, um, yeah. And he didn't leave the other house he broke into after. The police had to drag him out. Yeah. Scary. Mm-hmm. So I have, I'm not surprised at all that your dogs defended you. <laughs> I I think Jubilee would defend me based on like my hike today. Did you see my post? I saw your post about you thinking it was something. Actually, you should just tell that as a story because people <laughs> should hear it. It's funny. So I'm hike and I hike my dogs like I'm I work with people. I love people. But when I hike my dogs, I don't want to see people. And I kind of like seeing bears or elk or signs of them, um, cougar scat, that kind of stuff. I don't actually want to see a cougar, but I like seeing signs of the wildlife. So I hike middle of nowhere. And Jubilee, when she sees a bear, barks this very specific bark. And she did it when there was one in the yard too. It's a very specific F you, <laughs> I am on guard here, bark. And she doesn't chase. She jumps up and down on the spot while she's screaming. So That's she really doesn't, interesting. Yeah, it's, she doesn't yeah. have to charge, and she doesn't want to chase it. She's just saying, "You need to leave." Mm-hmm. And like hold your ground, distance increasing, bark. Mm-hmm. So I'm hiking along. Da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> this morning, and I was out there at like eight o'clock um, when the gates open, and um, this is a great little walk, and I'm playing with Max. And I hear that bark and I look up and Jubilee is kind of, we're at a corner and she's on the corner doing that jump up and down bark Mm -hmm. over and over and over again. Usually she barks a few times and the bear takes off and then she stops and then we're all good. Uh, But she wasn't stopping. So I called the dogs. I have emergency recall. I called Enzo. I called Jubilee. They come. Well, she, she took a second. She was still barking. She didn't want to leave that, that spot. But she mm-hmm. came back. I had unholstered my bear spray. I'm getting them all leashed up one-handed because I'm kind of watching. And I could see this thing moving up ahead, but it's not black. It's tan. So it's not a bear because we only have black bears. And it was, seemed too tall to be a cougar and too slow. And um, <laughs> so I got them leashed up. And, you know, maybe a smarter person would have turned around and gone back. But now I'm curious. <laughs> and I've got my bear spray and three dogs. So I'm, I'm not really at risk of much, right? Um so I go around the corner and there's this little lady who is ESL. So I'm trying to apologize to her. And I'm also trying to find out if there are more people, but it was a little woman, a small human in the bushes collecting Salal. And she was wearing a rice hat. That's what I was seeing, the big tan sunshade. And Jubilee was just not having it still. She's like, you are not what I expected. <laughs> so do you think I, it was the hat or the person in the middle of nowhere or I the combination probably the combination we do run into an odd person and i don't get that response from her mm. so it so could have been a lot was of, like next level the hat it also could have been because we're hiking really early which is when there's more animals active anyways mm-hmm. so she's probably a little bit more uh, aroused because of the elk and cougar and bear smells out there that are likely stronger in the morning because the animals are more active mm-hmm. so probably a bunch of stuff but i think she might do that same behavior if we had an intruder 
Yeah, it'd be interesting. I want to almost <laughs> test run it at your house. Like My someone we know, not a random person. <laughs> <laughs> Just pick up the intruder from your neighborhood and drop him off here. Um, yeah. The uh, Enzo, <laughs> Enzo, if there could literally be a bear in the bushes five feet from the trail, he would glance at it and continue on his way. Yeah, my dogs are ambivalent to bears, like all of them, all the ones I've ever had. Even my high prey drive dogs have never had a reaction to a bear. But I like that because I find I'm not going to have an escalated situation with a bear. Yeah. However, cougar, my dogs hit the brakes and they will not move (laughs) forward. We've learned this. Um, And Story has done it with like a friend that was walking her. Like they just, they hit the brakes and they do not go any further um than that i've never had my dogs do that and i've never seen a cougar but we've seen lots of cougar tracks in the snow and in the mud and some mm-hmm. cougar kills like that they've abandoned not ones that are still active and jubilee will actually guard cougar tracks from the other wow. dogs they're so arousing to her so i don't know what she would do if we did see a cougar i'd like to think that we've seen well I haven't that the dogs have seen cougars and the cougars have seen us. Um, it's likely where I hike mm-hmm. and I've never seen a reaction from them. So I don't, I don't know what they would do if we actually had one. I've you seen know. one for sure. And the dogs froze and didn't want to move. So we moved dogs. away backwards while I was backwards. They didn't walk backwards. Dogs don't <laughs> do that normally. Um <laughs> But I didn't want to take my eyes off of it. And then one where um, there was a cougar sighting in the area in conjunction with Story hitting the brakes and not moving. But I mean, they're they're everywhere around here. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know what would cause a reaction more than not. It'd be interesting thing to study. Yeah, I don't know how you would ethically get the cougars in the presence of the dogs. Well, if you had tracking collars on the cougars, so you were surveying them naturally, <laughs> like, and you had knowledge about where they were, and you compared it to people using the area recreationally and interviewed them about the animal behavior, you could theoretically do a study. Mm-hmm. All right. Next chapter in our next project. <laughs> Cougar and dog relations. I mean, I think it would be different depending where you are, too. Like, the island would be different study zone than anywhere else because our cougars are different. Yeah. And even somewhere, like, down in Souk would be different because their animals are much more acclimated than Cougar. ours are here. Yeah. The cougars and bears and wolves down there, they see them all the time. Up here, I've seen wolf scat, but I, I would never want to see a wolf oh, when me I'm hiking either. my dogs. That would be no. scary. No, there's definitely areas where we go camping or hike that everyone will always be on a long line, um, Mm -hmm. no matter what the recall is on that dog, just because of wolves. Yeah, Yeah. if Northern Ireland, I would definitely have my dogs on a line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not worth the risk. No, no, that would be horrifying. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, so on that note. (laughs) (laughs) But what I was thinking about with all this home invasion slash dog alerting is that when you have more dogs doing it, I could see it being a learned behavior from each other. Mm-hmm. Because I don't actually think Fable has that instinct. Her mother doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a learned behavior because it looks so different too than like actual guarding behavior. Oh yeah, I think so too. Um, I brought a dog home as an adult and he um, would 
bark and get very aroused and fence run when the horses rolled or ran. Mm -hmm. And he taught my other adult dogs who didn't have that behavior now have that behavior. Mm -hmm. And they learned it from him and they passed it on. You know, it's just been a bit of a cycle. So now I have to manage that and train that a bit. Yeah. So I'd love to talk to someone who teaches protection sport of some sort. Hey, any of our listeners teach that and want to talk to us? Because <laughs> my theory here is if you're looking to build an instinct in a dog for a specific purpose, is there benefit of having multiple dogs with that instinct around that dog during crucial learning phases? I think people who teach protection type sports or, um, you know, behaviors probably primarily work with dogs that genetically have the behavior. That's true. But we could ask that question. So okay. if anybody knows that's listening, I want to talk to you. Yeah, I do. Fun. I want to know because it, it's interesting because we know reactivity is contagious, but actual protection behavior and reactivity are very different. Mm-hmm. Um, a protective dog is not going to be scared and they're not going to just fly in and really bite someone theoretically. I mean, there's breed differences in what protection looks like, too. Yeah. Hmm. But just interesting. I was thinking about a lot. <laughs> I actually had a client who um, we had some talks about what was realistic for her dog. She has a young adult Prisa, beautiful dog. And her goal was for that dog not to defend her, not to defend the owner, even if the owner was being attacked and hurt by another dog. Was there a reason for this concern? Because they had been attacked. And she was worried that if her dog, you know, big blockhead, not Mm -hmm. a breed that people are tolerant of, if her dog defended her and bit the other dog, then her dog might end up being labeled as dangerous. So I can relate to that because I was concerned if my dogs had bit the intruder that maybe I would be in trouble with bylaw. I don't think so. Even though it was an active break and enter into my home. I don't know where it would fall. And I think different regions would have different laws on this. I would be very upset if someone broke into your house, hi, a man, and your dog bit. I mean, there's a difference between a bite and like pin him down and rip an arm off. Yeah, but depending on the type of like if you have a pressa and it attacks someone, well, does a bite on someone, we'll just call it a bite because it's not really attack. um, It would be a significant injury. Possibly compared to like if an Aussie did a grip from behind to move a person yeah. forward, it would be a very different injury. Mm-hmm. So be interesting. Again, if any bylaws people are listening, <laughs> <laughs> we would this love to know all about recruiting podcast members. <laughs> yeah, we'd yeah. love to know. I have so many questions. I did have a friend in another city who was at work and someone broke in his front door. And he, he only had one dog. It was a German Shepherd. And the dog did bite the person, we can assume, because there was blood everywhere. Ooh. So when he came home from work, he found his front door broken and blood all over the step of the front door. And his dog was still waiting inside the house. What a good and dog. And nothing had been stolen. <laughs> so what we can surmise is someone broke into his front door was met with a very intense German Shepherd who we had previously worked on for, you know, guarding the doorway from friends and family. (laughs) (laughs) 
and uh, the dog wasn't having it and never left the home by any surveillance equipment that was there. So definitely a perfect guard dog in the sense that he really did his job well Mm -hmm. and was never a danger to the public, only the person breaking in. And in that case, they did not find the burglar and the bite was never um, dealt with as a aggressive dog instance. Yeah, I would be very upset if that happened and the dog ended up labeled because of it. It's just doing what dogs do, mm-hmm. especially that breed. I mean, if a golden, I wouldn't expect a golden retriever necessarily to bite, um, but a, a, you know, a high intensity shepherd or a mastiff or any bred breed bred to protect, even an Aussie, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised with a bite. No, it's kind of almost expected. Mm-hmm. But there was a case in Alberta where someone's farm was being robbed. And the owner pulled a gun out and shot them and did not kill them, by the way. The suspects are just injured. And then the homeowner was actually arrested and charged. I think that's different. I don't believe dogs have the ability to weigh out um, things like, hey, maybe I can go into another room, lock the door and call the police. That's something a farmer might have been able to do, whereas a dog wouldn't be able to make those choices. Hmm. That is a good thought. I feel like I'm on the side of the farmer still. <laughs> <laughs> not that it was my instinct to shoot anyone. I did not have that instinct. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, which was interesting because I did have a conversation with my husband about protection in the home and he leans towards firearms and I lean away from them. <laughs> well, you're more BC than Alberta. <laughs> well, I was thinking I just needed more Aussies, really. I think that's a good plan. If you have enough of them, no one's going to come in. And clearly, only with two home, it wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. Because my husband had taken the third to work. (laughs) (laughs) So we can carry on, though, as we both had kind of interesting weekends. Um, We did. Yeah. Christina and I both had extra dogs this weekend. And And I think... had adolescent males. (laughs) (laughs) I think mine was easier than yours. I think mine was here longer. And my house, he's new to my house. Yeah. And yours is known to your household. So. Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll share mine first because yours is going to be more interesting. Mine won't take that long. Um, Story's son came for a day, a night, and a morning, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> and he's been over before, but it's been a while. It's probably been six months at least. It's a long time for an adolescent dog. Yeah, it's a really long time. Um, And Fable is just coming out of heat. So she's a little smelly in all the fun ways, but um, not about it because she's no longer actively in heat. And I have another one coming in soon. (laughs) Luckily, not far enough into it that she's in her grumpy stage yet. Because when Navy gets starting her heat cycle, her tolerance level for adolescent males is definitely low. Because she um, she prefers female attention than male attention from dogs, which is fine. There's no problem around here. Um, so, yeah, I was dealing with potentially two cranky females and a male who hadn't been in my house in a while. But it went really good overall. Um, the hardest part for us was he is anxious being left here because he doesn't come enough, I would say. And Aussies really, they bond other people so much. And he's really bonded to his family. Mm -hmm. which is awesome. That's what I want them to do. So yeah, but we were able to feed. I posted a video of it on our Legion of Dogs page. So you guys can see me feeding the six dogs and making it work really well. 
which was good because I didn't want to have issues with food or bones. And we did bone time too while he was here. I didn't film that, um, but it also went really well. He was in his crate. Um, my resource guarding dogs were actually upstairs with me, so they were not in the same space as him. And then um, my neutral dogs were enjoying bones in the same room, but not crated because um, no one was going to go take his from his crate or bother him in there. Mm-hmm. So we got to do that too. Yeah. Did, and it was pretty good. How did you introduce him? Because he hasn't met your little one then. He has. So I went for a swimming lesson. Well, not for me swimming. We were teaching Gibson to swim. <laughs> so his mom brought him to a friend's place and I had all my dogs there. So he met Frankie Pickles um, probably six weeks ago or so, maybe less. Not too bad. He He's really good with small dogs, though. And I found this because I raised my litter with a chihuahua. Mm, they are sense. really gentle with little dogs. Like for teenage Aussies, it's shocking. They lie down to play with her. They don't stomp on her. They don't chase her. She can climb on them. Nice. And they're just like, it's excellent. I love it. I'm really proud of them all. Every breeder of big dogs needs a chihuahua is what you're saying. Um, no, <laughs> no I'm not <laughs> saying that. I wouldn't necessarily go chihuahua. Um, but having exposure to dogs of different sizes throughout early, early puppyhood. So pre eight weeks old. I think can be life lasting. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage people who have really young litters to do exposure to safe adult dogs. And by safe, I mean like vaccinated and not heavily going to daycare or things like that. Because mm-hmm. I did do that with my litter and my litter is surprisingly also good with standard poodles, which is not super common for lots of dogs. Mm-hmm. A lot of dogs don't um, feel comfortable with their high headset or their tail or the way they move they move and they look different yeah they got a lot they're very different well so we had a bunch of different breeds come my little dog is very good with baby puppies just fyi he would like (laughs) to help socialize but once they hit like four months he thinks they should just all leave well i'll bring them to you (laughs) at six weeks and we can have a little party and he might pee on them that's okay We'll film it for everyone so you guys can all see the baby puppies with uh with Riker. Cause that would be cute. I think he met my litter too, actually. He did when you brought them for temperament testing. Yeah. So they they met so many breeds. It was great. And that's part of the puppy culture program I do follow. Um and I think the proof's in the pudding there. Cause I'm mm-hmm. seeing long lasting, like Gibson doesn't live with little dogs and he does go to daycare with his mom, but he doesn't get exposed to probably mini dachshunds and chihuahuas. No, he's in the adolescent big dog group, I would imagine. Yeah. Or like select one friend or two only kind of stage, I would imagine, because he's going through a humping stage. (laughs) Oh, so we should talk about that, I guess. The humping, the humping stage. So he comes in and Fable's fresh off a heat. So he's really interested in her back end and luckily he knows leave it so i asked him to leave it and he would uh if i asked him to however if fable told him no and her way of telling him no is to stiffen turn to look at him and give like a little low growl nothing crazy uh he did ignore her Mm -hmm. and he just continued on kind of oblivious like pretending like it just didn't happen So if I hadn't been around to intervene, it would have put Fable in a bad position because I don't think she would have escalated. Right. And he would have just controlled the situation in a way that wouldn't have been fun for her. 
Yeah. Um, and her mother reacts the same way to pushy males. Um, they're both not really um, good at standing up for themselves. And I think, especially because she's so young, if you put her in that position enough times, mm-hmm. you might get a preemptive striker when this is, hey, pushy boy, you're going to not learn quickly. And that's what I worry about with dogs that are put in those positions too often. Um, it's yeah, great I don't that- know. Because Story had a lot of exposure to pushy male dogs, unfortunately. And she did not. Oh, I mean, Story's like- a unicorn. She's but pretty Mabel, special. <laughs> Mabel's dog skills are the same as Story's. So I don't know if she would have, but I think what would have been worse is she would have learned that she had to put up with being uncomfortable in her own home mm-hmm. and couldn't do anything about it. So then she may have not be excited to play with him the next time. And we would have lost that friendship between the two puppies, which I like and they like, they play nice. Yeah. So I found with supervision and being present and using the leave it cue for Gibson, um, they were able to have lots of fun play too. Mm-hmm. And, and he... if he hadn't have stopped or he couldn't listen to a leave it, I would have actually rotated them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When and he would have gotten a lot of time with Navy. <laughs> <laughs> when Gibson was with me, I have my maxi, she's on Proin and she dribbles a little bit. And mm. a lot of dogs are very interested in her hind end. And so was Gibson. And the first walk we together, I had to keep him on leash. He just could not not hump her. Like if she was in three feet of him, he was like latch with his mouth on her scruff hump. Like he was like, wow, you are so smelly. I love you. And um, (laughs) we just spent a walk doing that. And the next time he saw her, which was not probably a couple months later, they played lovely. He didn't try to hump her once. I think she tried. Yeah, to and I, I would say his humping <laughs> of Fable was a lot less intense than what you're describing. I don't know if he ever fully mounted her even. Uh-huh. He was boy. doing that chin lean over the back end, which <laughs> in my household, I call that humping because I do interrupt at that stage, yeah. except if the chihuahua is humping someone because it's funny and the dogs <laughs> do not care. They None of them react to him humping. It's just funny. Um, if they did react to it, I would I would stop him. But he's not humping for any particular um, discernible reason. He's he doesn't little. even do it in with heat cycles. Like he's, <laughs> he's, a, he's a very odd duck. But he weighs so much less than them. So it's not the same as having a larger dog than your dog on top of them. Yeah. The size difference makes a big difference for what the, they can tolerate. Yeah. Yeah. And I find like where they are in their cycle makes a big difference too. Because if they're just coming off a of heat, they're going to be less tolerant than they would normally because mm. they know that they're not ready to mate anymore it's done those hormones have passed <laughs> and it, it, it would be different if your dog was mounting say like a spade female or another male i feel like the interaction's different and it's motivated by something else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and his was it was the smell i could tell yeah because especially because it was just her and not everybody yeah, it was just her. He did not attempt to do that to Navy or Story. And Story mm-hmm. would have permitted him to do it to a like a certain level. And so it's not like he was like, oh, these are older females. I have to respect them more. Because <laughs> when Story was in heat, he came over last time too. Um, not like fully in heat, but coming in. Mm-hmm. And um, he was interested in her. And I did have to interrupt it then too. And I think that's how you ended up with him because we decided I wasn't going to watch him. Right, because she was in her heat cycle. Yeah, Yeah. because nobody wants that. 
that's a that's a big risk. <laughs> yeah, and it's not one I want to live with, which is why I don't keep intact male dogs. Mm-hmm. And I know some people are really great at it. Um, and I, I probably could be if I really wanted to, but I don't really want to. Yeah, and I know a lot of people that are very responsible who've still had accidents. I mean, it's just a much riskier scenario. You got to have way more fit levels of safety in place. Yeah, and then you have to live with the dog being stressed mm-hmm. by the female in heat and not being able to access. Yeah. So for me, it's just not something I want to dabble in. I mean, if I had numerous buildings on a big property and I could really thoroughly separate them, then maybe. <laughs> but I like to pick out really great studs that are out there competing and not necessarily like closely related to my dogs. So I find having access to outside studs pretty reasonable for my breed. Like I can get them and uh, I like having choices. Because mm-hmm. if you you bought a stud and you had one and you you did a pairing and then you didn't get the litter you wanted for whatever reason, they didn't turn out as expected. Well, now you have two intact dogs that you wouldn't necessarily repeat a breeding on. Yeah. And I so, think yeah. people can get... Um, it can impact their breeding planning in a negative way if they have their own stud, if they're not careful, because it's just easier to reuse that stud, even though you might not oh, be perfect. so much easier. Yeah. And I think guys, like when yeah. I breed, I have to freaking travel. Like yeah. I have to take a ferry and I have to drive and I have yeah. to stay somewhere for like five days. And I mean, last time I did progesterone testing, which was just very expensive and time consuming. So it would be easier just have a male here for sure. But I want the best possible puppies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was my house guess. It wasn't that bad. He was great. I'd have him again. Uh, I would just time him so he's not here during it, like an active heat. Um, otherwise, he'll go to Christina's. <laughs> <laughs> and he would get along great with most of my dogs. yeah he likes your dogs yeah my dogs think he's a border collie so he fits in just fine which is hilarious (laughs) (laughs) um so my house guest um i have a very very good client she's amazing and um they needed to go away for four days and they didn't have a place where they felt comfortable or a person that they felt comfortable leaving their dog with He's reactive. He's an adolescent male. He's big. I think he's about 80 pounds. And um, so I said, I would take him on for the four days and we do some training and uh, integrating with dogs and stuff. So he, no, he's met Max and Enzo, but I wouldn't say he knew them. Like it's some time ago that he did like parallel walking and things with them, Mm -hmm. but he didn't really know. They weren't on a first name basis. Um, and he'd never <laughs> met Riker or Jubilee and Riker and Jubilee are both reactive in different ways. So I brought him here, Bodhi, and I had my house set up with many X-Pens and, and to top it off, Bodhi is not crate trained. Um, they're working on lots and lots of things. That's one thing down the road that we'll work on. So that makes it a little bit harder, but he's also, he's a very nice dog. So mm-hmm. he's reactive, but he's not a dog that will, he, I think you'd have to really push him very, very hard to get a bite. I'm not worried about him being a danger to my dogs. Mm-hmm. He's a very, very nice dog. 
And is he used to being like in an X pen or anything? No. Nothing. No Nothing. form of containment. No. He's an wow. only dog. <laughs> wow. That's a challenging one. Yeah. So he um, came over and he struggled. So I would, first I had my two reactive dogs away altogether. So separated so they couldn't even see each other. Mm-hmm. And just introducing him through an X pen with Max and Enzo. And um, I, with him on the side that I'm on to start. Yeah. So that he wasn't feeling completely separated. And that, because he knows me well. Mm-hmm. So with his mom not around, I became his safety place. So with your reactive dogs that you put, were they somewhere in the house? Yes. So Riker was in a bedroom and I think Jubilee was, she has like a, a deck area that she mm. really likes to hang out in. I believe that's so where they weren't her. also together. No. <laughs> oh, and <laughs> Jubilee has um, uh, an injury right now. So she's cranky and she doesn't want to be anywhere near Riker. Yep. So it was extra complicated, <laughs> but, but good news since Bodhi's gone, she's back to thinking Riker's just fine and dandy. Well, that is good news. Cause you basically had three groups of dogs to separate. Yeah. And it, you know, it's, it's not that easy to do in an yeah. open concept house. I only have so many bedrooms. Um, and I don't like leaving the dogs outside, but I like, there's two of mine that really enjoy just hanging out out there, mm-hmm. but I like them to have the option to come in. I don't, I don't want to kind of say you're outside and can't come in. That makes mm-hmm. me feel sad and in, in my heart, <laughs> <laughs> even though they're totally fine. No, I understand. <laughs> Cause I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we won't talk about the time I accidentally left Riker outdoors all night. <laughs> he, he knows to bark to get the door open. He didn't bark. And a lot of the time I have to actually bribe him to come in at night. So mm-hmm. it's not as bad as it sounds. Anyways, back to Bodhi. Um, he, it only took him, I don't know, probably 20 minutes, half an hour before I was comfortable having him in the same room with in the same zone with Enzo mm-hmm. and Max. I was there, of course. And if he, he has a fool around reflex. So there's fight, flight, freeze, fool around. So when he's anxious, he throws out massive inappropriate play signals. So he's what like, does those look like exactly? Um, instead of going, hi dog, and giving a little sniff and then wanting to play, he goes, there's a dog body slam, play bow, come and get me up on his hind legs. Um, Really, really, really intense play signals that are out of context. So, and because he's nervous, he doesn't, he doesn't actually want to play. He's just testing. He doesn't know how to interact in a safe way. So that's his kind of coping mechanisms to, to test it out, to make sure the dog isn't a danger or isn't going to do something mean to him. So this reminds me, because Christina also posted a video of this on the Facebook group. Someone made a comment about this topic that just made me laugh. And you said his play style would be similar to wanting to go wrestle with strangers. Is that correct? Yes. (laughs) And I just, I pictured this happening like in the human world. Like, could you imagine going to the park and there's just like a teenage boy trying to wrestle people? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's inappropriate. It's okay to wrestle with your friends, people that you have consent and that you have a relationship with. But as a human, if you run up and bear hug or try to wrestle with strangers without having proper (laughs) introductions, and this is what I commented is that you're either going to get start a fight, scare somebody or get pepper sprayed. (laughs) Just because it looks friendly, it doesn't mean it's appropriate. 
And then one of our followers had to respond, and this really did make me laugh. <laughs> um, was it something like, is that why I get such weird reactions from people when I try to wrestle them? Yeah. That was scary. <laughs> it was just funny. Because it was like it was so like in the context of human versus animal, like very distinct why it's inappropriate. But to most people, I think their perception of their dog's play on greeting a new dog is that it's fine even when it's over the top like this. Yeah. And I see it so often, especially in labs and goldens Yeah, who are friendly dogs. And if they have a little dose of anxiety, I see this so commonly in them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and the problem is that if Bodhi goes in hard or any dog, especially a big guy like him, a big adolescent male going in hard like that is going to start fights. But if the other dog says, hey, that's not cool and reacts strongly to him, then as an adolescent male, he's like, whoa, I was just being friendly. And then then game on. So he won't necessarily back down. Yeah. And when I worked in dog daycare many, many moons ago, um, we saw this because people bring their adolescent dogs to daycare um, Mm -hmm. because they need the help with them usually. But it creates these weird relationships where inappropriate play is reinforced. Mm hmm in a in a really negative way and that's where we can see dogs losing play skills versus gaining them from socialization 100 percent. they need to learn how to be appropriate not just play and wrestle and you know burn off energy they need to learn how to be appropriate with other dogs Mm -hmm. and how to ask in his case it was a socialization thing or just a breed background or Um, it's a stress we know it's a stress response for him for, so for him, I met him, I was working with his client's other dog. I wasn't working with him right away, but I met him at eight weeks and he was very nervous even at eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And then he was in a daggy daycare and the owner pulled him because after she saw the videos, she could see that he was trying to get away mm-hmm. and he couldn't. That's the problem in doggy daycares if they're not well run is that dogs that are trying to get space often don't have any, any way to do that. And she could see that that was happening to her puppy. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that impacted his behaviors now. Um, possibly, possibly this could have just happened anyways. Anyway, yeah. There's no yeah, crystal ball, unfortunately. But but yeah, he did have that experience as a young dog, as a puppy. I think he was probably five months or something when she stopped taking him to daycare. So quite young. Mm-hmm. But that's really an influential time for mm-hmm. dogs, for sure. Okay, and- well, we got to him being inappropriate playing, and <laughs> much more happened. <laughs> so then once he was good with Max and Zoe, I could, I opened, um, I had him in my living room area, and then an X-Pen, and then my kitchen area, which opens onto my deck. So I opened the door so that Jubilee could enter the kitchen area and see him, but she could leave if she wanted to. Um, and then it progressed after, I think, I don't know, it was day three, where she was sitting right at the gate and sitting up and not not looking stressed. And he would kind of like come up and do a little drive by and she would lift a lip and he would turn away. <laughs> Good boy, because that's hard. Mm-hmm. And then he would go back. And if I saw him hesitate when she said, no, thanks. If I saw him hesitate, um, I would call him. So as soon as she gave a cutoff signal, a signal that he she wanted space, I would call him away if I didn't see him immediately respond to that. So I was helping him learn that when she gives those signals, his job was to move away. 
Um, and the play, I just, as soon as he, um, if he tried any inappropriate play, any of that fool around response, I just interrupt it and call him to me or ask him to lie down. Mm-hmm. So that behavior wasn't being refor- reinforced or practiced. So do you use food when you're interrupting behavior, calling him to, or do you use praise or kind of both? Like what's, was your strategy with this dog in this context? Uh, for other dogs like Riker, I use food mm-hmm. uh, because food's really valuable to him. This dog, he has a really strong recall and he really likes affection. Mm-hmm. So if I had food on me, he would just focus on me. And I, so I just use praise and scratches under his collar for him in this, in this context, Um, because he's got a ton of foundation in recall. And I figure the way I explain it is every time you reinforce your recall away from stuff with food or toy or whatever, you're putting money in your bank. Mm -hmm. And then they've got these strong behaviors. You can call and and use a less valuable reinforcer. A lot of the time, just keep in, in the back of your mind, you're deposits worth it versus withdrawals. <laughs> yeah, you were it, spending money this time. <laughs> yeah, I was spending money, but he has a huge, huge accumulation there. Yeah. And if, you know, if I saw his behavior degrading his recall, getting less um, sharp, then I would maybe go and refresh that away from Jubilee mm-hmm. with reinforcing with food because food is his favorite thing. Well, that makes it easy because if it's tug or toy, that can be hard. Yeah, I wouldn't have used it in this case because it just adds arousal. Yeah. I would have found a different option. Mm-hmm. I love okay. recalls for toy, but not in that case. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got you teaching him to move away. Um, I think that's as far as he got with Jubilee. Mm-hmm. It would take probably, she was doing parallel play next to him. So he would play with a toy with Enzo or on his own on one side of a gate. And she's really good at grabbing a toy and just flicking it around and rolling on it and throwing it in the air. Mm-hmm. So they were doing that probably six, seven feet from each other. That's that so was cool. really cute. I love that. And that's part of, if I had another person available to me, I would have taken them on a parallel walk. Yeah. But I wouldn't do that long. just myself. No. No one should ever do that by themselves. No, especially with the dogs that size. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that are both reactive and one like with an injury. So we don't want contact. No. Mm -hmm. And especially with her injury, I wanted her to kind of set the pace of what was doing. That's that's why she could choose to just leave and go sit on the deck if she wanted or go in the kitchen and sit there so she can kind of be separate but apart. But I wanted her to be able to set the pace for what was happening. So I think that's important to note too. Like when you're setting up your containment strategy, you're giving the dogs all an out. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't have been fair to put Jubilee in an X pen. In the room with them. That that would, that would have just not gone well. (laughs) It wouldn't have been fair. (laughs) They need to feel safe. And if they don't have a flight option, they don't feel safe. Exactly. Right. But it's hard to do. It's hard to do, people. Like when you have to think about how to set your house up that way, it is hard. I, know, I had a friend comment because I took Bodie over to a friend's for a barbecue um, one of the evenings, and she's like, "I saw the pictures of your house. That's that's a lot of expense to get in and out and through." <laughs> but you know, you do you do what you got to do when you have five dogs and three of which are reactive. Yeah, yeah, that was like an extreme circumstance. Yeah, but you know, I wouldn't have brought him home if I thought he was actually a danger to my dogs, mm-hmm. because I don't have the setup for that. I would have needed more secure barriers, mm-hmm. more visual barriers. I would have needed a lot more to be safe, but because I knew he's a, he's a very gentle, like he's, he's inappropriate, but he's not 
He doesn't have any bite. He's got great bite inhibition. I'm not worried about him hurting my dogs. He could have scared them, but um, I wasn't really worried about him doing any damage. Yeah. If if you're bringing in a dog that can seriously injure your other dogs, you may have to completely divide your space so that there's never like, Mm -hmm. they think like half the house for one dog, half the house for the other. And two levels of protection. So a door and a gate or, you know, two things so that if one fails, it's... I'm a really big fan of the covered dog runs for those scenarios because mm-hmm. it gives the dog lots of room. You can put them in a space so you also have a door and you can lock them. Yeah. Like if you're literally worried about a dog's like well-being that way, you'd have to really plan for it and have infrastructure in place. Because mm-hmm. to just put like a very kennel in a room is not really going to be adequate for housing a dog. No, it's not um, humane, in my no. opinion. But if it's a short, very short term thing and, and you don't have any other choices, that's fine. But it shouldn't be something that you're, you're, that shouldn't be your plan. No. Like if you're fostering a dog or you're taking care of a dog for a friend for more than really a day or two, like that yeah. should not be the go-to setup. No. And being realistic about what you can and can't do in your home is important. Mm-hmm. It's okay to say no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So Bodhi actually got to meet Riker as well. Oh, yeah. And Riker's, that's hard for Riker. He doesn't like the big ones. He's terrified of big dogs. He's terrified of intact males. And Boats was just neutered, I don't know, maybe a month or so or so ago. Mm-hmm. And um, he's tired and he's terrified of dogs that have exuberant play styles. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> this is Riker's worst nightmare, guys. Yes, pretty much. It, the only thing worse for Riker is if it was a German Shepherd. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, He's—I don't know if he's had some bad experiences, but he just does not like um, any German Shepherd he sees. <laughs> he's afraid of them, and so I had Riker in another zone. So I would take Jubilee out of the picture whenever I was integrating Riker and Bodhi, because that's not fair to try to do all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and I let. Riker as the little dog that's the worried one set the pace again um Bodhi was doing really well I just interrupt any of his fool around response and interrupt him if he got kind of pushy at the x-pen and um Riker I give him a choice if he wanted to come out into the zone where Bodhi was or not and I started taking them down pot I'd take Bodhi down to potty on leash and I would open Riker's X-Pen area so he had the choice to follow us. Because one of his favorite things in the whole world is following other dogs and peeing where they pee. <laughs> <laughs> so it took the pressure off of the interaction. Yeah. Right? Bodhi was going down to pee because he knows what we're doing. That's that's the routine. Mm-hmm. And Riker's like, oh, you're going down to pee. And he has a job to do that's fun for him that wasn't interacting with Bodhi. Yeah, there's no social pressure. Mm-hmm. And after a while, Riker started sniffing him, and then he let Bodhi sniff him. And um, Boats was really gentle. And then Riker did a little kind of half play request to Bodhi, like a kind of like, come and get me and change my mind kind of mm-hmm. little thing that little dogs do. And Bodhi threw himself into the massive play bow, and Riker ran screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Put off more than he could chew. <laughs> yeah. And then he then he kind of shook it off and uh ran to his bed and he watched for a bit. And then he came back out and they did some sniffing again. But I, I just kept uh at a closer eye on Bodhi and, and interrupted as soon as I saw that he might do a play bow. And they actually progressed to the point in four days where I would 
off-leash Bodhi, let them go down and potty together. Nice. Yeah. I like find that three days like the sweet spot mm-hmm. for them to like settle in. Yeah. I know. And then he goes home. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the it. worst. <laughs> <laughs> We're finally all friends. <laughs> yeah. It was fun. It was really good. He's a nice dog. He was really fun to walk. We did a lot of walks and um, stuff with him. Yeah. So everyone should check out our Facebook group to see videos of Gibson and Bodie staying at our houses because mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys dog sit or integrate new dogs and it's good to see different setups and ways of doing things mm-hmm. yeah and I think that's all I got today me too well, I guess we'll talk <laughs> to you later all right bye everyone thanks for thanks listening for I hope you guys enjoyed, you guys enjoyed it, it. And if you'd like, if you'd more, like information, more information, don't forget, don't forget to check out our website, our, our, our Facebook, Facebook group, our page, our page and, our, and blog our blog posts.